So welcome back to the Art World Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Cooksey, um, also known as Miss Art World. And I am very excited because I have a new guest with me. Her name is Linda Sue Price. Linda is a neon artist. And I actually met her years ago when she had a piece hanging in Studio Channel Islands Art Center. And it stuck with me because it was probably the first neon piece that we've ever hung in that gallery. And so I was like, I'm gonna remember her name. So now she has a new show opening at Studio Channel Islands. It's a three person show, but welcome Linda. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about, well, first say what your Instagram and website are. So if someone wants to look you up ahead of time. <laughs> ah. I don't know my Instagram handle by I heart. think you're Linda Sue Price. Neon artist. I think so. Um, if not, guys, go to uh, Miss Art World Podcast because we have her linked. And then I believe your website is lindasueprice.com. Mm -hmm. That one I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got it. <laughs> that one I know. So tell us uh, just a little bit about yourself. Well, I, my background is in video production, and I worked uh, for a city government, ran a small unit for a city government, and because it, there was just a few of us, you got to do everything. And as, since I was the manager, I couldn't do, got to the point where I couldn't do a lot of production, so I started doing motion graphics, which is the titles for television. And there's a big similarity between television and neon. They're both luminous, they both animate, and there's wiring involved in both. In it. video, you're wiring together through camera shoots, um, edit bays, and obviously in neon, you're wiring together tubes. The thing that was most challenging for me was, because my background is in computers, was bending, because I have never worked with my hands before. Mm -hmm. So that was daunting. And you're talking about bending the glass, Bending the right? tubes or the tubes. And so when I first started out, so what happens is you're heating up the glass and you're not, you're trying not to pull the glass because it's a four foot long tube. So you're trying not to pull it, but you end up pulling it despite yourself. Mm -hmm. So what I did to compensate was to underheat it so I couldn't pull it. But then when you underheat it and you bend it, you, you kink it. Okay. So you can't have kinked glass. So eventually you get where you can heat it hot enough so that you can bend it without kinking it. So then you, and every time you figure something out, you, it's like you're relearning how to bend all over again. Oh my gosh. And so it's, I've been doing this for over 10 years and I'm still figuring out. I had a big breakthrough a couple of years ago when I started counting because you rotate the glass in the fire. And so I started kind of doing my, taking from my yoga practice, started counting my movements. So then when my brain left mm. and then came back, I would have been kept counting, so I'd know where I was at in the heating process. Okay. So then I wouldn't overheat it, because you can overheat it too. Mm -hmm. And then it blows up on you and falls apart and melts. And Is it really you're just kind of relying on feeling when it overheats? It's feeling, it's looking at it, you can see it starts to glow. Mm -hmm. And so you just, you. There's so many things you have to think about when you come out of the fire, if you're, especially if you're bending a pattern. And I practiced a pattern because it teaches you control. But I bend freeform, which is I come out of the fire and I bend in the air, 
which gives me a lot more organic shapes. Okay. But you practice the pattern so you learn control. And when you come out of the fire and you're trying to get into a pattern, you, you, you lose your orientation so you don't know where you're going. And then your brain took a walk and you forgot what you were doing mm -hmm. and how you're supposed to bend it. And then it's like these, sometimes you have to bend in backwards so the geometry is all off. So it's just really wonky. Okay. When you say bend in pattern, what does that mean? So you, you have a workbench and then you have this non-asbestos uh, fabric okay. that doesn't, doesn't flame up when you put something hot on it. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a pattern on it. And so it, it's, it's a, in the shape of a tube. Okay. So you bend to that. So you know, especially like if you're doing a sign mm -hmm. and you have to have the lettering all at the same height and you have a certain style of lettering, that's all drawn out on the pattern. Okay, so you can make a custom pattern if that's what you were going off of, but you do it free form. Correct. So you take it out of the fire and, just and dance, dance with the tubes. And sometimes, you know, it's like I want to go one way and the tube's not going that way. So my bottom line is to try to keep it pretty mm -hmm. and not kink it. So it's like I want to do this and it's saying, no, I'm, you're going to go this do that. It's like, okay. So then I end up when I'm practicing with some really interesting glass and then I want to try to duplicate that concept and it ends up something completely different. You must like that element of kind of surprise though with the free form. I do, okay. I do, because what I'm trying to do, because people, when they think of neon as a sign, and when you have a sign, it's got a flat surface, but if you flip the sign over and look back, that's where all the interesting bends are. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was show what you could do with a neon tube other than doing flat surface. Okay. <coughs> so that was kind of my motivation. Mm -hmm. um, so. Why neon for you? What was it about it that attracted you? Well, I did a short stint in art school. And um, I did painting, drawing, sign making. Um, and then I got into doing graphics. And then I got into doing motion graphics. And um, as a kid, my family traveled throughout the Southwest. And we went to Reno and Tahoe. And Vegas, and I just got to see all this. You know, my favorite neon sign of all time was a palm tree, must have been 20 feet high in Vegas, that had animating leaves. And oh stuff. my gosh. I just loved that. It was like, can I go just stare at this? And so I always liked neon. Um, and then after I left art school and I started working in video, I kept my hand in art and making things and doing things, but nothing was compelling. I'd get bored. Mm -hmm. And then I took this neon class through the Museum of Neon Art in 20, 2003. And it was an eight-week class, and you got to design a neon piece. And it was just like, oh, yeah, this is it. Mm -hmm. I want to do this. And so I designed a couple more pieces and had them bent, and then eventually I started learning how to bend. And it was, I laughed hysterically for two years because it was so difficult. The, my instructor would show me what, you know, what letter I was going to practice, and I would just like laugh. Like, you think I'm going to do that? Like, really? <clears throat> and you just practice and practice and practice. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was uh, looking at your website and everything, I was thinking like, gosh, it's got to be kind of an expensive 
art form to get into because I'm sure it takes years to really master and you're going through tube after tube after tube. Well, the practice tubes are only 50 cents each. That's nice. The clear tubes. Okay. But when I go to the colored tubes, they can be 11 and $12. Okay. So they're a little bit more expensive. But what's really expensive are the transformers. They're about 50 bucks each. And the transformers <clears throat> are? The thing that converts the high voltage tube to low voltage okay. so that you can plug it into the wall. Okay. So it's high voltage happening on the piece Two, yes and then when you plug it in it's that's why it's safe to plug in correct okay and I use these um, small electronic transformers that weigh about like a quarter of a pound they're little tiny things unlike the big old things that they used to use with signs the big heavy monsters mm -hmm. so my stuff is all hidden so you can't see it and they're really really sensitive so that if there's a Hiccup in the in the power source, they just shut off. Okay, that's good. that's good. Yeah, um, and you found <clears throat> the technology side of neon really interesting and probably easy for you because you have that kind of yeah, background. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to reading schematics from when I was you know I, with the equipment that I worked with in video. Mm -hmm. I had to read a lot of schematics, and so when it came to wiring stuff together and doing the animation because I had a background in motion graphics, I understood the concept of animation, so that part of it was really easy. Okay. Um, like on um, these two pieces behind me, um, it's a new transformer and it's a controller. So you've got transformers and controllers. When you're doing animation, you have to have special controllers that control the tubes. And traditionally, it was one controller, I forget, per three tubes. But if you want each tube to do something different, they've got to have their own. Uh, actually, they can control three tubes. So if I had 15 tubes, I'd have to have five controllers. Okay. And those are all 50 bucks each. Oh, dang. So, and, and then each tube that animates has to have its own power source. Okay. So that's 50. So if I animate 15 tubes, it's 15 times 50. Holy smokes. Yes. So those pieces are probably your higher price pieces yes. just because the material cost is so yeah. expensive. I don't make many of those anymore. I do those only by commission. <laughs> They're very cool though. Yes. Um, so I'm looking at your animated pieces and they're different colors that happen throughout the piece. Um, how do you decide on what the animation looks like? Do you, is it, do you have an idea of like, okay, this is gonna go to red to then pink to then a different color, or how, what's the thought process in your animation? Well, I've done it two ways. Okay. So I've, I've gone into After Effects, which is the motion graphics software, and I've actually designed the piece and done the animation, so I knew what I was gonna do, so then I would write the program. Got it. The other way to do it is you get a pre-programmed controller and you kind of tell them what you want to happen and then you get it and then it's just however you hook it together. Mm -hmm. Which one do you prefer? Um, I like both. Okay. With, with the individual one, you're going to have to have a bigger piece. With the, these, these, they're smaller and because it's designed to control five tubes, I only have to have one controller. 
So I could not do these small pieces the traditional way of doing it because I just don't have enough room mm -hmm. to physically. I mean, if you look at these pieces behind them, there's controllers and transformers everywhere. Oh my gosh. It's like, okay. And when you're pull it, putting it together, you've got all these wires coming out and it's just kind of like, okay, so we'll just start here. And you know, and eventually you get them all tied together and it, you know, it works out. But mm -hmm. it's like, it kind of it's daunting, it, you know, like, okay. Yeah, let me figure this out. It's definitely something that I would just be like, I can't do this. But I'm glad that there's artists out there like you that take on the technology side of things. It's really, you know, because they get, they give you the schematic mm -hmm. and it tells you what you're supposed to hook up. You know, hook the red to the red or the brown to the blue. And, you know, so you know what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It's just starting with the first wire. You yeah. know, and you finally you get all of those out of the way, and then you do the other set because there's like three sets of wire. You've got to hook up the high voltage, you've got to hook up the low voltage, and then you have to hook up the animation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you have a studio that you work out of? Yes, okay. I work out of Michael Fleckner's studio. Okay. And he's in Van Nuys, and so he he has a full shop, a full. He doesn't do science. As a regular business, he does restoration, and he does custom artwork for other artists. And that's the same guy that you worked or that you learned from. Yes. Right. Okay. So you've maintained a really close relationship. Yes. Okay. And what's really really helpful, even though I live like forty two miles away, my drive time there is my contemplation time, figuring out problems and figuring out solutions and thinking about what I'm going to work on and. And then I get there, and then if I don't, he's been in the business for over 30 years. He's seen everything. Mm -hmm. So he's got solutions for things. So it really expedited my process. Having um, that expert in the room. Right. And then he does, he builds these custom tools for specific tasks. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, so it's like, it, it really did expedite because he showed me tools that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to do something, I could go to a hardware store. And maybe the person would understand what I was talking about and point me to the tool. And then I have to figure out how to use the tool. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do that. Yeah, you that's just, really it, nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, how long does one piece take? Is it a quick process or? I'm in the studio um, two days a week. Okay. And I make about somewhere between seven and ten pieces a year. Okay. So it's kind of a slower process then. Yeah, and, and it's and it's weird because sometimes I'll be coaxing everything along and it'll be months before I complete a piece and then all of a sudden everything's done. They're all completed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then I start all over again. And, mm -hmm. um, and you said before earlier that you would do things and then get bored, but you've been doing neon for a long time now since... 2007? Yes. 2005 is when I started okay. learn, learning how to bend. And still super excited about it? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's, well, it was like, it, it's the combination of light and then the shapes and then the sculpture aspect. You know, experimenting with different backgrounds because I like to play with the cast light, putting things behind it, in front of it. I mean, there's just so many, like, what can I do to it next? Mm -hmm. In your home, is it just uh, neon artwork all over the place? It used to be. It used to be. 
Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like needed. I would love that. Actually, I would love just hanging neon artwork all that, over my house. <laughs> that, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have other neon artists that you follow or that you have close relationships with? Um, not really. Okay. I typically go to um, art shows and galleries throughout Los Angeles County just to kind of see what other people are doing and how they're doing it and kind of like if I'm kind of feeling a little nervous about maybe this is a little too raw okay and then I'll go and see what somebody else is doing and like hey that's rawer than mine so I'm good Mm -hmm. so it's it's that kind of thing okay um I was reading your artist statement and you talked about being a student of the ways we communicate Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? I thought it was interesting. I'm a, an observer of life and how we live life and how we choices that we make. And um, so my first couple of series were about my yoga practice because I learned a whole lot about um, staying in the moment and learning that I could say almost anything to anybody if I didn't lose my temper. <gasps> And, you know, I mean... That's a good skill to have. <laughs> it was really, really interesting, but it was one, something that came from that whole thing of meditation where they always talk about think before you speak, mm-hmm. but if you're like a reactor, how do you find that pause button? And I started doing a, a serious yoga practice, and one day somebody came in and was in my face, and I didn't react. And it was like... And because I didn't react, they backed down. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this is really interesting. And then it happened again. Somebody pushed my button, and I just went, okay, I have this choice and this choice and this choice. And so I just let it go because mm-hmm. I didn't want to spend the energy. And so it completely changed how I reacted to things. And so I did a series of pieces about meditation, and it's very meditative animation. Okay. And then as more recently as the world around us has gotten less friendly, um, I started thinking about the golden rule. And I didn't want to go to religion, so I did some research and found similar things. Um, and I did a series called Enlightened Systems. And I worked from a quote from a Indian shaman, all things are our relatives, which pre... I think it was pre-Greeks. The concept was that all people and all things, and, you know, earth and animals, are all equal, mm-hmm. and we're all part of the same whole. So I illustrated different elements that would express that. And so one of the pieces I did was an abstracted Donald Trump, which I called DDT. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> and then I had, um, uh, I did. Um, wildflowers because that was the year that all the wildflowers were just going crazy and so I just did different elements um, and I and that was also the year that it rained so much so I had eight foot tall weeds in my backyard so I took pictures of those and so I did had all these printed backgrounds that were illustrating all these different things that are all part of our universe mm-hmm. and then as a follow-up I did a series called connections <clears throat> And from that, it was the demographics of California. So I had to have a certain amount of men, women, range of ages. Um, and then I also threw in 
um, LGBTQ, Latinx, uh, blondes. Because the first panel I did, I had no blondes. Oh man! <laughs> so, I threw it, so I threw it. So blonde became a category. Um, yes, our own category. Yeah, I mean, because it was so weird. I mean, you know. But anyways, so so they were all done, and then I connected them all together. So I was trying to, and then the. Um, when you say connected. There was, I did clear tubes and I ran chain through the tubes and then when I hung it in a grid, I connected the chains all together to kind of say we're, you know, we're all connected. Mm -hmm. And so there were, there were six of those and then I did three that were talking about the world. So it was macro and micro. So I illustrated a texture from each of the seven continents. So like for the US, I used, I had three pieces and I used the Amish, I used, um, I forget what the other two were for the US, um, but so I illustrated, so that was kind of like, the whole world's connected. Mm -hmm. That It's very interesting because you also are more of an abstract artist, mm -hmm. but then you have all these kind of, these things that you're pulling from, from your own life that have a very, interesting backstory that you wouldn't necessarily get if you're the viewer but that's okay as the artist right mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. okay yeah sometimes it's a little bit more obvious like the connections pieces and the enlightened pieces a little bit more obvious but mm -hmm. like the 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 thing about the um, yoga pieces is people will come in and the animation is so meditative it just sucks them in and they're just like Oh, this is so calming, and it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Especially with neon, because I, when I can't picture a calming neon piece, but I, so I'll have to go and find uh, your piece that you have. Do you have that on your website? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Have to go. But yeah, it's very, and I had it in a show last August, and the gallery director was getting ready to have a meltdown, and and this piece was over there, and it kept like calming it down and he's like I don't want to be calmed down. <laughs> I want to be angry. Um, do you find that people are buying neon? I know for me I feel like neon is very um, much trending lately. Do you find that as well or how are you doing with like people purchasing your work? The people who buy my work generally are very eclectic. Mm. So they'll have other light pieces, but they generally it's very an eclectic collection. Okay. Um, and, and popular neon um, tends to be word-based. Yeah, I like that yours is, I mean, you have a few word-based pieces, but most of your work is definitely abstract and free-flowing, which I think is very interesting. Yes, and when I did do the words, I didn't do them in neon. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. because, of, because a lot of times, if you do words and you do recognizable images, even though you're an artist, people will think of your work as a neon sign. Do you have a favorite neon artist that you look at? I can't think of anyone that I know that's very famous. I can't remember any names. Me neither. <laughs> I hate but, this question. I don't know why I ask it to people. They're like, who are you following? I'm like, I don't know. 
And I go home, and I'm like, I have all these people, but like when you're asked the question, you can never remember anyone's name. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah. There's there's a there's an artist who worked in neon early on in the early days, and he's done some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I like looking at his work. And and Mona actually has a one of his pieces. Okay. Um, so you you have a new series that you're working on, and it's a collaboration. Well, some of the pieces in the series are a collaboration. Okay. How how's the collaboration working? It was great. I mean, she'd already made the, made the, the the element that I'm using, mm -hmm. and I just asked her. I, I she'd given me it's what she does is she cuts clear block plastic water bottles into strips, and then she weaves them into these flower type forms. And she had given me one, and I had it hanging up in my office. And one day I'm just like looking at it going, oh, that would look so cool with neon. So I asked her if we could do a collaboration. Okay. So she gave me permission to use, and so she gave me some more. And so I did two pieces. So this series was inspired by a quote that I, uh, I read. Um, it's from Anne Herbert in her essay, Handy Tips on How to Behave at the Death of the World. And it was just republished in Sun Magazine last March. And it's practice random acts of kindness and set no practice random kindness and senseless acts of beauty. Aww. Yeah. And so I kind of like we're all kind of exhausted from the, all this chaos, and it's like I need a break. Mm -hmm. So I'm just making pretty things right now. And they're beautiful. Um, we'll post uh, a pe uh, an image of the piece on our um, Instagram. So if you guys want to go look at it. Um, go look at Miss Art World podcast. Um, and they are very beautiful pieces because they're on the glass and mm -hmm. then you've done the tubing and then it just has these beautiful flower plastic pieces in them. And so that's something that you've done before is kind of playing with texture and layering. Yes, yes. And that comes from my graphics background in doing animation because when you're doing titles, motion graphic titles, you create movement and interest by layering all these different things on top of each other. So I kind of brought that with me when I started doing this. Okay. That's very interesting, the layering side and the texture because we think of like television and animation being flat and you probably see it as all these different layers brought together. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, and this might be a really dumb question, but when you have the glass and you have the gas going through it, right, and sometimes it's beating, how does that work? Okay, the white gas and the red gas bead naturally, and um, so, but it cycles on and off because electricity kind of cycles on and off, and you can put in a Transformer, an electronic transformer called a bead maker, and it stabilizes the beads so it will continuously bead. Okay. And that's a conscious choice that you make when you add in the beading versus just the other pieces. Yes. And so what um, sign makers were doing is um, if they didn't want their signs to bead, they put in like little electronic things that stop the, the, the beating. Okay. That's interesting. How, the, uh, another dumb question, how does the gas get in there? Um, <clears throat> you put electrodes on. Mm -hmm. So, 
and that's has little wires coming out. Okay. And so it gets welded into a thing that's called a bombarder. Okay. And so what they do is they suck the air out and then they heat it up to purify and sterilize it. And it's this whole process they go through. And then once it's sterilized, they release the gas into it. And when it reaches a certain pressure, then they close off the tube. Okay. And then it's sealed. And then it's given, I don't do that process. Mm -hmm. And then it's given back to me. And then I put it together. So you have to send it away to someone. It's done in the do. studio. Got it. Okay. The person, Michael's studio, he, he knows how to bombard. Okay. So, yeah, I just... Is that something that you want to learn, or you're just like, I don't even want to... I want to get really good at bending. Mm -hmm. And it's like a whole other thing. And then because you're always under deadlines, it's just like, you know, like four years ago, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to start putting on my own electrodes. I'm going to start doing this. And then it was just like another deadline, pop, you know, and it's just like, I just don't have the time. Mm -hmm. Well, you're very active in... Um, LA like you have shows all the time that you're participating in I think I was reading that you've been in 80 plus uh, group shows um, has there been a favorite show that you've been in that you were just like this is exactly what I wanted to say with my art or has it been I was in the show at the brand that I was really really just thrilled with it was with Neon artist and non not and, and installation artist, and it was just really fun to see the work playing with other people's work. Okay, I googled you obviously for this uh, podcast, and I was watching a couple of your YouTube videos. There was one where you did a um, short interview, and then I think the next video was like hip hop dancers dancing mm. around. What was that? That show? was that was at Mona. Okay. And so there was a, a, a choreographer that used the space, and they choreographed, did some choreography, and, and videotaped it. Okay, it was it was very cool. It, yeah, it was unexpected when I was googling you. I was like, what is this hip hop stuff going on? Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about this show um, at Studio Channel Islands Art Center in Camarillo. Um, what? Did you pick the pieces? Did the curator pick the pieces for the show? The curator picked the pieces. Okay. Do you know who the curator was? I believe it was Peter. Oh, okay. Peter. He, he, he referenced him, uh, the email that I got from him, it was him and I don't know if it was the, the board or something, but the, it was kind of a group. He okay. didn't say specific. Did you know it was coming? Like, did you say, hey, I want to do a neon show? So they just picked you? Out of the blue. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm in the process of getting ready for the show at the Fine Arts Building. Okay. And so that's a two-person show that I do every year with Michael. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was just like cruising along, and I get this, you know, Facebook message from Peter, and I was like, oh, well, that would be really cool. That's so funny. It was a Facebook message. Like, you never know where the opportunities are going to come from. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they found me somehow. I, I never, I haven't asked him how he found me, but mm -hmm. they had found me, and so it was like, oh, that would be cool. And then he asked, he went and looked at my website, and he picked pieces that he wanted, mm -hmm. and um, so then I drove them up here. Nice. So there's a range of pieces that some of them are a little bit older, and then some of them are mm -hmm. new. Brand new. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite piece in this show of yours? 
you know what happens if I don't like it? I take it apart. Oh, okay. And I recycle it. Okay. And so the series that I'm working on now is called Plan B, and those are all pieces that have been recycled. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> yes. So uh, is that the one that's opening at the Fine Arts Center? Yes. Okay. When is that show opening? That opens the first, the second Thursday in January. It's part of the Downtown LA Art Walk. Okay, it's coming up. Yeah. Okay, yes. Perfect. <laughs> I have one piece left to finish. Well, you have time still. Yes. <laughs> I think, maybe, I don't know. Oh, but neon's so difficult to photograph. It's, yeah. yeah and How it, do you photograph it? Well, um, I, I learned many years back, um, I discovered from another photographer that you can tether your camera to your computer. Okay. So, you, you, so instead of shooting through a little tiny screen, you got your big computer screen, so you can actually see what you're taking a picture of. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up with a Canon, um, and it has this software called Live View, so I can actually see what the picture is going to look like before I take it. Mm -hmm. And you can control all the elements on the camera. And then there's this software that comes with it, and it has this option where you can add electronic fill light. So I can expose, because I don't like the neon to be all blown out, because I want to see the color. Mm -hmm. So I can expose for the color, and then process it and electronically add the fill light so you can see the background. Mm -hmm. I hope everyone understood that. <laughs> <laughs> I clearly did. <clears throat> I just, it, you know, it, this listening to you makes me realize it's so hard to be an artist because not only do you have to bend your own tubes, you have to figure out the technology, and then you have to figure out how to photograph the pieces. Um, it's just so interesting how many things we have to learn to be able to be successful. Yeah, and, and, every, and every artist that I meet has their own challenge, their own unique set of challenges that are just as, you know, onerous as mine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to think neon was like the biggest pain in the butt, and now that I've met <laughs> all these other artists, it's like everybody's that's a big pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, if you guys want to come to the reception, um, it's this Saturday. Friday. Oh, it's tomorrow. This Friday. It's tomorrow. Um, and that is December 6th, 6th from 5 to 9. 5 to 9. And you'll be here. Yes, I'll be here from 5 to 9. And they're also having a big holiday festival. They're going to oh, have snow right. and reindeer and okay. stuff. And I think a lot of the artists are going to have their studios open. Uh, the holiday market? Yes. Okay. Um, so you can check out their website, it's studiochannelislands.org, um, they're located in Camarillo. Um, so come by and make sure that you go and follow Linda on Instagram, check out her website, her Instagram was Linda Price. Linda Sue Price. Linda Sue Price. Neon Artist. Neon Artist. Perfect. Thank you so much for podcasting with me. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. <laughs>